So anyway, I just want to share really a few things from Second Timothy this morning. And uh, So if you guys can go ahead and open up, you, you're probably already there. You get to chapter 3, and we're going to... We're going to start with, with verse 10, and um, let me just pray, and then, and then I'll just share some things with you guys, all right? So Lord, we do just thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for the chance that we have just to be uh, together for the place you've given us to meet, and uh, Lord, thank you that it's uh, just what we need, Lord, to be able to meet here and uh, to study your word, and Lord, we pray that your uh, word would speak to us, Lord, we know that uh, unless you open our eyes, Lord, that we won't see and we won't understand. So we pray that your spirit would help us to do that and uh, pray that you would show us how we should apply the things that we see from your word, the things that you show us. Uh, and we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll we'll start in verse 10. And, you know, I just want to start really by just asking you guys a question. You know, I don't know what kind of uh, expectations you guys have for your life as a believer as a Christian, uh, maybe some of you guys are involved in the ministry here. Uh, you know, maybe we think we're going to serve the Lord for a few years, you know, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and then kind of retire from serving the Lord or something. I, you know, I don't know what our expectations are uh, for life as a believer. Uh, but, you know, what we see here in this book of Second Timothy is, uh, this is this is Paul's last words, you know. There isn't any any guarantee, you know. There shouldn't be some kind of expectation that at the end of your life you're gonna, you know, I don't know, be be comfortable and surrounded by the people you love and get to like speak into the lives of thousands of younger Christians, you know, that are up and coming. Or, you know, there's no guarantee. Apostle Paul, I mean, right? We know he was probably the most influential man that ever uh, lived. You know, basically the father of modern mission in many ways. And at the end of his life, where is he? Anybody ever been to Rome? Yeah? Anybody go to the Mamertine prison where they kept him? It's a pretty, pretty depressing place, right? He's in a prison cell, underground, dark, completely deserted by everybody who he had ministered and invested his life into. And you know what he's doing at the end of that life? He's not speaking to thousands of people, right? He's writing a letter. So how many people? One guy, right? He's, he's continuing to minister. He's continuing to give of himself to serve the Lord, to do just the simple things that he's called him to do. I mean, it's, it's quite extraordinary to me, an extraordinary example of a guy that's just, you know, a simple guy and yet just following the Lord. And you know what? Because he's done that, he's ended up in this place. <laughs> I mean, just a horrible place to be probably. And yet his heart isn't on his circumstances. It's on let me be faithful to the calling the Lord's given me. So I just want to look at some of the things that he shares with Timothy uh, because I think that they're quite applicable to us as believers as well. You know, he's going to basically tell Timothy, look, this is what you have to do if you want to make sure that you remain in the faith, right? In the ministry that the Lord's called you to. And you know what? We need that. You know, we all get to places where you know, we know we're tired. We don't want to go on. Maybe people leave us, you know, people that we're close to. Uh, we feel, you know, discouraged. That happens, you know, whether you've gotten to that place or not yet, you know, you'll get there at some point in your life. And so I want us to look at these things that Paul shares because I think that they're very insightful into living and continuing in the Christian faith. Okay, so let's just read, read down a little bit and I'll just share some things from 
from these first couple of verses. So verse 10, Paul writes, Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, uh, and suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord rescued me. You know, one of the things that uh, you notice straight away is that Paul had a very special relationship with Timothy. And one of the things that he says here, you know, he starts out by saying, look, Timothy, you, you're following my example, right? And, it, you know, it's, it's basically what I've just said is that I'm living, right, the, my life for the Lord, and I'm at the, the end of it, right? I'm about to die. And you're following in that example, okay? So if you want to stay faithful, look, this is what you have to do. You have to continue to follow my example in teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, and patience, and love. Okay, and now this is really what I want to focus a lot of our time on this morning is is verse 14. Um, well, I, I didn't read uh, verse 12, but I'll read that. So he says, Indeed, all who desire to live uh, godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, but evil men will, and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Um, yeah, you know what? I just I didn't plan on sharing this, but it just popped in my mind uh, when he says there, uh, you know, he, he, he basically gives them a promise, right? As you continue to walk with the Lord and serve him in Ephesus, that's where Timothy, Timothy was a pastor. You know, he says, if you desire to live godly, you're going to be persecuted. <laughs> you know, not one of the great promises that we have on our calendars, right? With a pretty picture of the mountain and flowers. But nevertheless, it remains a promise, right? And, you know, one of the things I find interesting here is that he doesn't say, uh, you know, if you're out there really like serving the Lord as a missionary and, um, you know, doing great things, then you're going to suffer persecution. He doesn't say that, does he? What does he say? He just mentions a desire to live godly. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. Like maybe some of you have when you uh, just express a desire to follow Jesus. Maybe some of your families didn't really agree with that or kind of told you you're an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> but I know that that happens. And, you know, one example that I, just for me personally, I saw, uh, there's a young kid, okay, this is a few years ago, this is when I was living in Kyrgyzstan, my wife and I were missionaries there for just less than four years, and uh, basically we had a young kid that started attending our church, basically just out of curiosity, he's a Muslim, okay, they're all Muslims there in Kyrgyzstan, and uh, this kid basically was just coming to find out about the Bible, I mean, People there, they were so open. That's one of the things that really shocked me. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll share with people here about the Lord, and, and they're not necessarily open, are they? They don't want to hear all the time. But people there were so open. And this kid, he, he came to church, right? And he, he finally started understanding, wow, I need to give my life to Jesus and start following him. And so he started telling his, his mom and dad, you know, what he wanted to do. And his name's Azamat. And he... Uh, he basically told his mom and dad, he's like, listen, I'm going to uh, become a Christian. I'm going to follow the Lord. And uh, they said, well, you know, this is what's going to happen. We can just tell you straight out, you know, if you make that choice, it's your choice. But this is what's going to happen. Um, you, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't even need to come home anymore because there's no place for you here. And, uh, you know, if any of our relatives find out, you know, we're basically just going to make sure that they know not to help you <laughs> as well. Uh, and... He, he he basically 
weighed the cost, you know, and he, he made this decision to follow Jesus and he gave his life to the Lord. And you know what? He, he still had to go home and he was going to go pick up his stuff. And uh, basically what happened, he left uh, or that night before he went to school the next day. He told his mom and dad he made the decision, went to school the next day, then came home and they had just chucked all his stuff out in the yard. And they had already rented his room out to a, to like a university student. And they were like, yeah, just take your stuff and go. So anyways, I ended up living with this kid uh, for about three months and just, you know, kind of sharing life with him for three months. But I just, he was always a great example to me of somebody that didn't necessarily had, he hadn't done anything for the Lord other than just express a desire to take that first step. And yet, you know what, he, he had to, you know, endure some, some things that weren't pleasant. You know, he basically lost all relationship with his family. Uh, but yeah, just something I thought I'd share with you guys, an interesting story that uh, I think really exemplifies what Paul says here in that promise that, you know what, if you make a step to follow the Lord and desire to live godly, you will have to endure uh, persecution, suffering, right? Now, um, verse 14. Paul, basically, from verse 14 down, he's going to give Timothy nine imperative commands, just nine things that he has to do to make sure that he stays in the faith, that he stays in the ministry, okay? And and this is what he says in verse 14. He says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How much do we know about Timothy and where he was at? I don't know if, if if you guys have studied this book in the last year, year and a half or anything, but there's a book before this called First Timothy, right? It was written five years before this. Timothy was a young guy. I mean, we're all pretty young, you know. I mean, most everybody here, I'm guessing, 30 or less. Maybe a couple of us that are over that, but <laughs> right, 30 or less. We're young young people. Timothy was a young guy who was pastor in this church, and he was basically pastoring it alone. You know, there was people in the leadership there that, that had basically disagreed with him, right, and started teaching false doctrine. Basically, he had been for five years between First Timothy and Second Timothy when these letters were written. He had just been charged by Paul to just tell him they were doing it wrong, right, that, to stop teaching false doctrine and to teach the truth. And you know what we see here? Five years later, Timothy's ready to quit. You know, chapter 1, Paul tells him to stir up his gift, right, within him. Why? Why do you tell somebody to do that? Usually because they're not using it. And in his, in his case, because he was discouraged. I mean, how much fun is it when you're, I mean, if you're married, maybe you'll understand. But like, you, right, you tell your wife, like, I'd really appreciate it if you, if you changed the way you did this. You know, you need, I'd love it if you did this differently. And then, you know, maybe for some of us, she does it the first time. But for, maybe in other places, you know, she, it takes her a while to like, Change. You know, people take a long time to change. Change doesn't always happen like that, right? The first time you tell somebody. And, and when that happens, right, over a long period of time, it, it, it weighs on you, man. It makes you want to quit telling that person. You just want to think, well, okay, do it whatever, do it whatever way you want to do it, right? But Timothy's call here, what does Paul say to him when he's discouraged and he wants to quit? Oh, keep going. Continue. Keep teaching the truth in that place. Right, and we all get to that place, right? I mentioned it before. You will get to that place when you're tired, you're discouraged, you're overwhelmed, and you, you want to maybe leave the faith. 
right? Stop following the Lord. But my question is, you, what are you going to do when you get to that place? And I, I want to flip over to Second uh, Corinthians, and I want to just share some insights with you guys about what Paul did. You know, what do we see in his life that enabled him to continue in the faith? Okay. So if you guys can turn over to Second uh, Corinthians, we're going to look at chapter chapter four, and we're going to start uh, in verses seven, and we're going to read down. Uh, actually, we'll start in verse eight. Uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Okay. And Paul writes there, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about the body, <clears throat> the dying, in the body, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. So what do we see about some of the circumstances that Paul dealt with in his life as a Christian, as a minister, as a missionary? What is it, how does he describe it? Yeah, he said, you know what, we're afflicted from every way. Anybody here ever felt afflicted from every direction? Maybe, no? Yeah, I mean, some of us might, might not have. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes we, we deal with that. You know, with pressure. Maybe it's financial pressure. You know what? Lord, I've got too many expenditures. I don't have any money to cover them, right? Or it's too much. I can't meet with this small group anymore. They're driving me crazy. You know, I need help with my relationship with my wife. Nothing's changing. Or my kids don't listen to me. I'm just, I can't. I don't have any more patience. I can't deal with it, right? Perplexed. <laughs> don't know what to do. Right? We've, all, we've been in some of these situations very similarly. Now, what is our solution in that place when things get difficult? How do we pray a lot of times? Oh, Lord, oh, what's the one we always hear people pray? Uh, deliver me, right? Deliver me out of it, right? So often that is our, our solution to, Lord, take me out of the situation. Get me out of this place where I'm overwhelmed and I'm in need. Now, is that Jesus' solution to the problem? Well, no. Well, what's Jesus' solution to that problem when we're overwhelmed and tired and discouraged? What is it? It's to supply something, isn't it? You know, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. My son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. His solution is to supply and meet our needs in that place. You know? And my encouragement to you guys is that as you, as you live right and you walk with the Lord and you get to those places, you know what, you'll have a choice. You know, when you're feeling beat down and discouraged, maybe tired of walking with the Lord, you know, because of frustrations, you'll, you'll have a choice. You'll, you'll either say, okay, Lord, I need your help. Just help me. Meet my need in this place. I know you want me here. You've called me to do this, whatever it is. Maybe help me through it. Or... You'll keep pushing and you'll keep trying and trying and trying to do it on your own. And you'll burn out. You really will. And you'll quit. And you know what? To be honest, that's what a lot of people do. They leave the faith or they leave the ministry. Why? Because it removes them from that place. They don't have to deal with those pressures. So it's easier in one sense. Okay? So just something to think about, you know. Think about how, how we deal with those situations and just remember, you know, our solution isn't always what God's is. Okay. 
And let's actually jump back to verse 7 now. And I want us to just look, because this kind of emphasizes what, what I'm sharing about our role in the whole equation in the Christian life. So let's look at verse 7. Um, yeah, so I'll just read down, read verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Okay? What's Paul saying about himself, about his role in, in ministry and walking with the Lord as a believer? It's, it's, he, he's just supposed to be what? An earthen vessel, a clay pot, is a thing to be used. He's a mechanism. He's just simply a tool that the Lord's chosen to use. He's been entrusted with something extremely valuable, but he's just the mechanism, right? The clay pot. What's the problem with that? It's back to what I was sharing. We don't want to be that, right? Why? Well, an earthen vessel is what? It's just weak, brittle. It's not unique, is it? Nobody cares about it. It's like Tupperware. I mean, really, I mean, nobody ever makes a big deal about the Tupperware. They care about the steak that's in it, right? But nobody cares about the Tupperware, right? But that is what we're called to be, you know? And it's a good reminder because oftentimes, again, you know, our desires are totally against everything we're supposed to be. You know, we want to be strong. We want to be recognized. You know, we don't want to be vulnerable and, and kind of looked over and... So, yeah, just something to think about. Now, um, I want to go to one more place, and this is kind of like a mini topical sermon on like continuing and, and keeping going, I guess. But I want us to just flip over to Acts 20 real quick. Um, because we know, right, that, that Paul learned this lesson of being an earthen vessel, of being weak and depending on the Lord's strength. How do we know that? Well, Second Timothy tells us that, right? Second Timothy tells us that he fought the fight and he finished the race. So he continued in his ministry till the end of his life, walked with the Lord faithfully. How did he do it? I believe that Acts 20, verses 22 to 24 will give us some insights into that. So Acts chapter 20, uh, verse, verses 22 through 24. And I'll just read it, and then I just want to share uh, four different things from these verses with you guys. So verse 22 of chapter 20 of Acts. And he says, Excuse me. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and affliction await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So the first thing, you know, that I notice about the Apostle Paul there is is he he's basically saying the Lord's leading him, right, to, to Jerusalem. That's the one thing he does know, right? What else does he know about the Lord's will for him at that point? What does he say? He actually says, I don't know. Right? He doesn't have any idea what's going to happen to him there other than what? It's going to be great, right? <laughs> no, it's going to be it's going to be persecution and affliction. Okay? Now, so often in, in our lives as believers, faith is required of us. And what does that mean? We we don't know, right? We don't know what's next. We don't know what the Lord has for us next in our lives. 
Now, that's one of the really good reasons that people quit continuing in the faith is because they want to know. They want to plan out their life and they want to know everything. Now, the Apostle Paul, who understood probably more than any person who's lived the Christian life, what does he say about his life? He didn't know. He didn't have a clue. So that reason doesn't really fly, does it? You know, because it's a life of faith. Okay? And this is the first thing I want. You know, I don't know if anybody takes notes, but if you do. Okay, the first thing about continuing, continuing is that uncertainty will affect your ability to continue. Okay? Not knowing your future. Not knowing what's next. Okay? That stops a lot of people from continuing and what the Lord has for them. Okay? That's the first thing. Okay? The next thing he says, uh, he says, except right, that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me that in every city uh, bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Okay? What does he say about his life? About what, how he values it? As nothing, right? I don't consider on any account as valuable to myself. That's another thing that holds a lot of people back, you know? Lord, you know, I'm, I'm walking with you, right? You're revealing to me things in your word. You're giving me maybe this burden for the lost or this burden to serve in the children's ministry or in the worship, but I don't want to do that because I need to do something else with that time or I, I need to hold on to my life. I want to keep it under my control, right? We value our lives and what we want to do with them, okay? Paul says he doesn't count his life as valuable to himself at all. I mean, our lives, you, you got it from the Lord, right? So, I mean, the whole thing doesn't really make much sense, but yet we, we think that way. But you know what? This is the second thing. How you value your life will affect your ability to continue in the things of the Lord. Okay? If you want to keep a tight grip on your life and what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do for the Lord, where you're willing to go for Him, you know what? you're probably going to miss out on a lot of blessings that the Lord wants for you. You know, I really believe that He has great things for you guys. And I mean, as a church, you know, that's something I share with some of our students in York as well. You know, they're young, a lot like you guys. You're, you're just ready to go out and serve the Lord, you know. Don't try to keep such a tight grip on your life that you miss out on something He wants to do for you, with you, through you, you know. He wants to use you guys. Let him do it. Keep growing and, you know, being in the Word. And as he shows you things, don't be afraid to take those steps of faith and just let go. You know, I, I don't know how many missionaries I've talked to, just friends of mine that, you know, they would have never done anything if they had tried to keep a grip and control in their life. You, you, can't, you can't do it. You can't really do anything for the Lord unless you really surrender yourself and your life to him. So that's the second thing. Um, <clears throat> thirdly, Paul continues and he says, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Third thing he says is that the reason he doesn't count his life dear to himself is what? What's the reason? Because he has a personal call, right? He has a personal 
mission, mission, right? Something that the Lord spoke into him, right? We know the Lord called him on the road to Damascus and gave him this responsibility to take the gospel to people. And he says, the reason I'm not going to hold on to my life is so that I can just do what the Lord wants me to do. Yeah? He had a personal calling, okay? And that's something you have to kind of get to a point. Do you, do you know if the Lord's called you to do something? You know, I don't know where, where you guys are at with the Lord, but there's times when He'll call you to do something. And you know what? Before you step out to, and do it, I really believe that you should know, has the Lord spoken to me? Has He shown me that I need to do it? Because if you don't know that, when things get hard, you know what happens? You know, we're talking about continuing. You, you quit and you give up, right? I don't know how many times. I mean, I, I really, when I moved to Kyrgyzstan, I felt very confident that the Lord called, called me and my wife there. Uh, and you know what? Even with that, do you know how many times I wanted to quit and go home? About four times a day, probably. <laughs> I mean, really, though, you know? So even I mean, all I'm saying is it's that important. Even if you know you're called, it'll be difficult. But you know what? If you don't, I mean, you're probably definitely not going to stay. Okay? And that's what Paul says. He, you know, he knew his, he was called, and that enabled him to continue. Okay. So, can we go ahead and flip back uh, to Second Timothy then? And we'll, we'll finish over there. Okay. So, verse 16. Paul keeps going, right? And he writes to Timothy, he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, that's one of the verses, right, that we all kind of, we, we probably know it, right? But in the context, how, how important is it that Paul says it to Timothy in this place? You know, you want, he's just told him, told him to keep going, right? to continue in the things he's called to. And then what does he turn around and tell him? He says, all Scripture is inspired by God, literally breathed out of the mouth of God is what it means. And it's profitable. The Word of God is what's going to help you. Now, what, that's what profitable means, right? And it's helpful. So that, you know, I can't overemphasize that, how important that is. You know, we're talking about continuing in the faith. The Word of God is going to help you continue. You know, when you get to those places where you, you think, well, Lord, where am I? What am I doing? What do I need to do? You know what? The Word of God will tell you. He lists four different ways that it will help you, right? For teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Any aspect in life, it will be helpful to you. Stay in it. I'm sure you know that... Anthony probably it challenges you guys in this all the time. But really, stay in it. The simplest thing in the world, and yet I need to be reminded of it all the time. So just an encouragement to you guys. That's the primary thing that's going to help us as, as we, we walk as believers, okay? Staying in the Word of God. Now, uh, I just want to go ahead and share a few more things and go down through chapter 4 uh, through verse 8. And we'll end there, okay? So verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul continues in this way. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. 
So this is this is a second of nine imperative commands that we talked about that he gives Timothy. And what he says is preach the word. Okay? Now this is he, he's writing this to Timothy, right? He's not writing it to the church in Ephesus. It's actually specifically written to this one man as a pastor. And it's something you see about the role of the pastor, right, is to preach the word or to teach it, to feed people. But you know what? I believe that as just as a church in general, I believe that there's a responsibility to preach the word. I believe there's also a application here for us just as a church. Go out and preach the word, you know? And something that I've noticed, okay, I haven't lived in England very long, you know, I shared with you guys, I just moved here a little over a year ago, but something about just sharing the gospel with people here that I've noticed is that they're not always, you know, receptive. <laughs> you know, I mean, usually that's been my experience. So in the beginning, uh, when we first moved over here, I used to go down to this park. I didn't have a lot going on. And so I'd go down and I'd just play basketball with some guys that were down there. And, you know, I would share the gospel with them. And it was kind of my first experience evangelizing in this country. And uh, the first four or five guys that I met, you know, I shared the gospel with them. And they'd sit, you know, we'd just be sitting around the basketball court and they'd just agree with everything I said. And I thought, you know, wow, I thought these people were supposed to be really hard and like, you know, unreceptive to the gospel. And, you know, that's what my wife tells me because you know, she's from here. And I, was, I came home and I'm like, sweetie, all these kids are coming to church tonight, you know. And, you know, 30 minutes before church starts, you know, I start getting all these text messages. That, that ever happened to anybody? And they're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just not my cup of tea. You know, I, pre- I pre- appreciate what you shared, but, you know, and I told you I agreed with you, but I really didn't. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not coming tonight, so sorry about that. But, all, you know, all that to say is that, you know, I'm not going to talk about why they did that. or what, But, you know, it can be discouraging, can it? You know, just sharing the gospel. And, yeah, you know what I'm, I'm reminded of so often is that we're not responsible for the fruit. I mean, let's be honest. There's just a call here to go preach the word, isn't it? You know, and if we think it's going to be effective because we do it well or not anyway, I think we're mistaken. It's because the Spirit of God is going to touch people's hearts, isn't He? And He's going to draw people to be saved, right? And, you know, it's just interesting kind of a story from the other side of that equation. I'm talking about the Spirit of God touching people's hearts uh, despite someone's inability. You know what? You, have you got, any of you guys been to Creation Fest? down here no it's it's out in cornwall they do this big music festival out there and i was just there in august and uh you know one of the things that happens is always kind of strangely bizarre to me it's great but it's bizarre when musicians right start preaching okay Uh, if you're a musician sorry but so these guys these bands they started you know by like playing all their music and then when they're done usually one of them would go out and they'd like give a gospel message. Now they're very gifted musicians, but you know I wouldn't say, "Wow, they're really gifted evangelists" or whatever. But you know what? I was so baffled because, you know, this guy gave a gospel message one night. I remember and thinking, "Wow, you know that wasn't very clear or whatever." And you know what happened? Like fifty youth got up and like went and received the Lord. And I was like, "Wow, that was." And it was such a reminder to me that it really does not, uh, you know, depend on how good we are at you know, saying words or communicating the gospel. I mean, it's great to be able to do it effectively, but at the end of the day, we just have to remember that we're just responsible to preach the, preach the word, preach the gospel, and the Lord will bring the fruit. So, yeah, just, just an encouragement. You know, let's be sure that we're sharing. You know, the next thing he says is be ready. Literally, it means to have the word of God on hand. 
have it available to be able to give to somebody, right? And part of that is is initiating. And I know it's sometimes it's awkward here because you know it's really private culture and stuff. But you know we can be bold to share the gospel. That's one of the things that it talks about in Acts that when people receive the Holy Spirit and empowered them to to be uh, sharing the gospel with boldness. So let's you know be be able to, or willing right to initiate. And, and share the gospel. Don't just wait. You know, we can get caught thinking, all right, well, I'll like wait for my opportunity when he starts talking about something spiritual. Or That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> you know, let's be willing to initiate, you know, and make that awkward silence. You know, who cares at the end of the day, really? So anyway, so he, he goes on, right, and he says, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And, you know, this kind of goes back to what I was sharing earlier about you know, it takes time. When you reprove people, when you rebuke people, I mean, they don't always receive that very well, do they? No, they don't. I mean, Timothy's been doing this five years, and Paul's still telling him to rebuke these guys in the church that are teaching false doctrine. But the last thing he says is, do it with patience and instruction. You know, and, and that's something you have to remember as a church, as a young church. You know, people are going to wrong you, you know, they're going to hurt you. Be willing to show him patience. Be willing to show him grace. You know, not all of us have the greatest learning curve. You know, it takes us a while to get stuff. I mean, I'm I'm one of those people, so I'm just encouraging guys. You know, be patient with one another. Show each other grace as a church. Okay, so, um, verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Right now, he's referring to the guys in the church that were teaching false doctrine. Okay, And he's saying at a point it's going to get so bad that they're, people are just going to find um, or find false teachers that are going to tell them that they're, they're doing the right thing or that what they're teaching is okay. Right, people basically are going to find someone to meet their needs. Just tell them what they want to hear, and that—I mean—that's true, isn't it? I mean, people usually that are lost in sin and love their lifestyle in sin. A lot of times, you find that they just want to have someone tell them, "Yeah, it's okay. You're fine the way you are." You know, the biggest church in America is—I don't know the name of it—but it's pastored by a guy named Joel Osteen, and you know, one of the things that he is known for basically just telling people what they want to hear that they're fine you know god's not going to judge you don't worry about your sin who am i to say that it's wrong and yet they meet in a huge football stadium over 30,000 people come to hear that because it makes them feel like they're all right in their sin just tragic you know um so yeah verse five but you be sober in all things endure hardship do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Yeah. We've already talked about, you know, fulfilling our ministry a little bit and continuing just in the, in the faith as a believer. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll move on. We'll go, to, go to verse 6. And in verse 6, this is basically one of the few times, you know, interestingly enough, that Paul's actually going to mention his circumstance, his sufferings, right, in this whole book. I mean, the guy's in prison about to be beheaded, and yet the whole thing's about Timothy. He doesn't even mention himself, really. But he's going to just mention a few things here about 
his condition and about his mindset at the end of his life. And he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I want to just think about that for a second. I want to share some things about drink offerings. Has anybody ever studied drink offerings? No. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. I mean, just a drink offering. It's what he. It's how he describes himself here. He says, "I'm being poured out as a drink offering." If you want to look at it, it's, a, it's in Numbers 15. If you want to go look at it, okay. I don't really understand him that well, but this is what I understand about him. <laughs> okay, a little bit I do. What What is the value of a drink? What's its purpose? It's to quench your thirst, right? If you're thirsty, you get a drink. I mean, if I, if I'm out playing basketball, and I'm and it's summer, and it might be hot, it might not be, but it's warm, right? It's warm enough for me to sweat. And I come back, and, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty, and I say, Katie, can you get me, my wife's name's Katie, get me a Gatorade out of the ice chest or something. And she gives me this drink, right? Now, the purpose of that drink is to satisfy my thirst, right? Now, say I, I, I go, and I crack open that Gatorade, right? And I get ready to drink it, and then I stop, and I just... I pour it out on the ground. Now, anybody that was walking by and just saw that situation and saw that I was thirsty, right, knew that I'd been playing basketball and needed that drink and that it was there to fulfill that purpose of quenching my thirst, what would they think about that situation, pouring out that drink on the ground? They would think, wow, what a waste. Here's this thing that was designed specifically to meet a need, to serve a purpose, and yet it was denied that purpose. It was wasted. That's what Paul says about his life. I mean, that's extraordinary that he's willing at the end of his life to describe it as a, you know, as a drink offering that's being poured out. And it, we know that it, it was true, wasn't it? I mean, where was Paul's ministry? A lot of it. A lot of it was in Asia. But you know what he says in chapter 1? He says, everybody in Asia has deserted me. I mean, there was no visible fruit at this point for him. You know, he was left alone. I mean, his life, in a large part, looked like a waste from the outside. And he was willing to be that. You know? And let me tell you, as you follow the Lord, you know, we don't know where He's going to take us. And many times, it, it, it will probably cause people that are outside, non-believers, even believers, right, to look at your life and say, wow, that was a waste. That guy had so much ability. You know, he had such a mind for business to make a lot of money, and yet he threw it all away to be a pastor? Or, wow, that guy was really gifted with music. He could have really hit it mainstream and made some money. And yet he's playing in a church that's 50 people. And, or, you know, and they look at it and they think, wow, what a waste. But the question is, are you willing to be that? You know, are we willing to be that as believers? Okay? And he, he goes on in verse 7, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You know, the, it's, it's interesting there, the word in verse 7, when he says, I finished uh, the course. You know, that's the same word there that Jesus uses when he's on the cross, you know. And he says it's finished. I mean, he, he understands that his life and his purpose in being there has been completed. He's saying it's finished and it's complete. And he says he's kept the faith. And then in verse 8, he says, In the future there is laid up for me 
the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Now this is interesting to me because, I mean, we know that the Apostle Paul, he endured a great deal, right, during his time serving the Lord and walking on this earth. And yet, you know, he gave up a lot too. You know, he gave up a lot of rights. You know, he talks about, you know, his legitimate rights in in 2 Corinthians and Galatians. You know, he talks about things he gave up. And yet, does it seem like by his language that he was sorry that he gave those things up? No. What's he talking about? He's looking ahead, isn't he? He has an eternal perspective that he's looking ahead and he's thinking, I get a reward. You know, I, I'm going to be given a crown of righteousness. He's not saying, wow, woe is me. I, I wasted my life, you know, and I lost out on all those things that I gave up. You know, he's saying it's worth it. He's worth it to have people look at your life and think it's a waste as long as you're being faithful to do what the Lord's called you to do. Right? And he goes on, you know what? And he says, and not only for me, but all for all those who have loved His appearing. So you know what? That promise of a reward and an eternal inheritance that Paul's talking about, you know what? It's not just for him, is it? I mean, we know that, right? But it's for all of us. It's for any of us that are willing uh, to really give ourselves to follow the Lord and submit ourselves to what He wants for us in our lives. You know, that, that eternal perspective. It's something that's healthy to be reminded of. And, um, yeah, just thinking back to what we were talking about earlier. Verse 16, you know, if you want to make sure that you continue, right, in the faith as a a Christian, and as the Lord calls you guys to, to get involved in different ways in serving Him with your gifts and your talents and abilities, if you want to continue to use those things to the end of your life, you're going to have to stay in the Word. You need to stay in, in fellowship and uh, really make a decision, you know, about what you want your life to be about. I mean, I would encourage you to really do that, really uh, reason and purpose in your heart. Lord, am I really going to follow you and, and do this and give my life to you? Uh, so, yeah, I just encourage you guys in those things. And uh, So I guess we can just end there, uh, but... Uh, I'll just pray, and then do we normally like hang out for a little while after the service and stuff? So, yeah, if anybody wants prayer, you know, Landon and uh, myself and some guys are around Luke, and we can pray for you guys if you need prayer. So, let's pray, and we'll be we'll be done. Okay, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for uh, for this morning, and uh, just a chance just to be together and study your word, and we thank you for the things you've shown us. Uh, we thank you for the example uh, that Paul was. And for the way that he had an eternal perspective on his life and the way that he was able to uh, commit himself to following you, Lord. And we thank you for what you did through this man that was committed to you. And I pray for these guys just as they uh, walk with you, Lord, as you call them to, to serve you in different capacities. And I just pray that you'd bless them. I pray you'd use them to reach people, to reach the lost. I pray, yeah, that they would be a light in this community here in Camden. And uh, I just pray your blessing on him, and I, I pray your spirit to lead uh, all that they would do and be Lord of their lives. And thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.